great to uh, be here again. Special welcome. And uh, thank you for the opportunity of coming and sharing with you. And um, yeah, I just love the, the work that the ones who set up Cafe Church for us do. It's just been a blessing to me to have those people who just serve in this very, very special way. And to me, it's one of those great opportunities just to share and be together and uh, get to know people around your table. And uh, what I'm going to do tonight, like I did one other night, uh, we've got a bit of paper coming out and it has got about nine words on there that I'm going to give you five minutes to write down what they mean. You know, I think one of the things as Christians, we use lots of words that I think we know what they mean, but we're not quite sure if we understand what they really say. You got that, Steve? You know, I think sometimes we, we let words roll off our tongues and we think, now what does that really mean? And, uh, and so we've got these few words that we're going to get you to have a look at and put a meaning down to, uh, for those words. But before we uh, even do that, last week I had a few people came to me and asked me about mentoring, because I talked a little bit about the importance of, being, uh, of having a mentor, someone who will build a level of accountability with you. Because I think one of the things that helps me to keep growing in the Lord is when I know that somebody might come and check up on me. You know, if, we, if we're tempted to wander, and if you know that someone is going to come and ask you a question, you think, oh, no, I won't. You know, I, just, I was just thinking when I was doing this, talking about this mentoring a few years back, I had a, a couple who um, were living together and they wanted to get married. And I said, well, I'll take a wedding for you on one condition, that you both move out and be separate for at least six months and we'd go through the pre-marriage counselling and, um, and then we, um, we'll check and see how you're going. Then if you're ready, then we'll think we'll talk about your marriage. And they said, no, I said, you know, I want you to be pure as you live, you know, apart for these six months. And they said, well, how will you know if we're not? I said, because I'm going to come and ask you. And uh, I went there one day and the, the, the husband-to-be said to me, he said, Lionel, I want you to know it works. I said, what works? Because he said, the other night we were sitting in our lounge and it was getting a bit steamy. The windows were getting a bit hot. And he said, we both just sat up and said, can you see Lionel in this room? And they said, it totally squashed any desire. And I think sometimes if we have a mentor, it really helps us to make sure and to help us keep our life on track. And, and the thing I want to say, if you believe that you would like to have a mentor, I'd love to talk to you about it and how we can build accountability because I believe this is absolutely important. One of our um, pastors from America has got this little book, How to Establish Accountability by Keith Drury, and I use this often in accountability. And uh, we work through what we want to do. And in the back of this little book, there are something like, I think it's about 76 75 questions and so if somebody wants me to be an accountability partner for them I say go through the questions and you tick the questions that you know are a struggle to you and then you ask me to hold you accountable to those ones 
fascinating results. And so we could talk more about that. And so if you want to know something about building accountability and knowing what mentorship is about, I'd love to talk to you and give the opportunity to um, show you how to go about getting a mentor and go on there. So you've got these questions, and I know these are questions that, you, you know, it probably won't take long to answer them, but if around your table, just, um, just put down a quick, I'll give you five minutes at the maximum to see how many you can answer. Go for it. It should be up to about number four. <laughs> I can see the, the Mills family over there being very busy. Should be up to about number six by now.
You got them all under control, Steve? Okay, how are we going? Are we ready to go on and we'll see how we go. Yeah. It's good to have an opportunity to think about some of these words, words we use fairly regularly. And, uh, and what I want to do tonight is not going to be the normal type of um, sermon that I want to share with you. <laughs> But years ago, when I was looking back over my life and we were talking about the uh, holiness of life, of how to live a holy life, I began to try to think, we've had, we've had ministers, we've talked about total dedication and consecration. We thought, and then we had, when we became part of the Wesley family, we started talking about holiness. And we thought, hang on, there's something we've missed out on. But I remember thinking about when we began looking at this whole concept of holiness, and I sat down and started looking at my own life and beginning to try to chart my journey. And I found this was extremely challenging for me. And then I started to ask myself questions, well, why did I go through struggles at this point in my life and, and what is next? And so. What we're going to do tonight is going to give you a visual, hope all of our PowerPoints work well together, but we want to talk about a practical holiness. So just before, we're going to have a quick look at those words. Does anybody give me a definition of sin? Whatever God hates. Sounds good to me. Anything else? Any other? Falling short of God's glory. Great stuff. You know what I did this week? I printed out the shorter catechism to look at what these words were looking at. And it was just so good to be able to look back and, uh, and see what these uh, messages were, what these words were all about. Are we on the one, the first number slide with sin? Okay. Sin is any want of conformity or transgression of the law of God. Okay. When we come to salvation, what's salvation? Any suggestions about salvation? A fresh start. A fresh start. A? Yeah, but I didn't give you army. I only gave you salvation. Up the back. 
Could we have somebody run the mic for us so we can hear? Because this old farmer is almost deaf. Even on a good day, I can't hear you too good. Okay, sal salvation. I think it's important that we hear. I've probably got too much here. Um, being saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, um, God sent him and it was because he, he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son that we might have everlasting life. Yes, okay. It's salvation. You know, it's an act of rescue. It's when you put your faith in Christ and have your sins forgiven, we become a member of God's family and we're said to be saved. What about justification? Who's going to give me ju with justification? That's right. He's been to some Keswick conventions by the sound of that. <laughs> justification. Are these coming up? You've got those there to come through. Justification. The act of being made right with God. Isn't it great? What a, what a place of peace and joy to know we are right with God. Then what about regeneration? Lynn. Um, oh, oh, it's me. Oh. Yeah, no, it's... Renewing? It is. Re renewing. Renewing. Regeneration is new. That we are said to be made new in Christ. Hey, that's a great place to be, isn't it? When I say to people, you think back to the day that you gave your heart to Jesus and what an absolute blessing it was, something happened inside. Pretty hard to describe it, but something changed. And I think I might have shared one time how I had a friend of mine who'd uh, raised in the church, had been in the church, just a good living man all his life, um, and yet never ever, he's probably the same age as me, and this is probably about 15 years ago, never ever made a choice to give his heart to Jesus. And I remember I went down and sat down with him and talked with him about it, about giving his heart to the Lord Jesus. And he just asked me a simple question. He said, Lionel, what difference will it make in my life? And I said, no, probably in reality in your life, I won't see any difference because you are already living a Christian life. The outward, all the things you do. But I said, one thing I will tell you is that when you pray to receive Jesus Christ into your heart and soul, something will change in here and you won't be able to explain it. So he said, okay. And I said, I'll ring you tomorrow and see what happened. And so he prayed and to receive Jesus. I went home. Next morning I rang him and he said, you know, I don't know what happened last night, but it, it, something changed in here. He accepted Jesus as his saviour and something changed within. We've known that experience. When we became a Christian, something changed within. That was regeneration. Then we talk to some terms that we use in the holiness movement or the Salvation Army and the Wesleyans and the Nazarenes. Provenient grace, what does that sound like? Linda Waldock knows all about this. I'm sorry, the, Emmaus, the walk to Emmaus definition is the, the wooing that God does toward us before we've actually said yes to him. Sounds good to me. And I think the reality of life is that we need to grasp what provenient grace really does. You know, that 
We've all come from different experiences, but we're here. And the reality is that I was here and God was there. God moved towards me. Then I moved towards God. God moved towards me. I moved towards God. And it was this constant thing until one day we met. It could have been when I was a teenager. It could be when I was 40, 50 or whatever. It doesn't matter. But the provenient of grace of God is the grace that draws you to himself. But it's the initiative of God at work in us. So that's provenient grace. We talk about initial sanctification, which is a fancy word for what? Who's going to tell me? Nobody knows. I'll ask my wife. What's initial sanctification? Right there, Christine. Cleansing. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's cleansing. Yeah. Cleansing is a part of it. But the simple word, that's conversion. Initial sanctification is the point where as a person, when God moved towards us and I moved toward God and we met, that's what we talk about, that initial sanctification where God became a part of me. That's what we talk about in that terminology. And then we talk about the word progressive sanctification. What do you think that sounds like? Wes, what do you think that sounds like? A life well lived. Well lived. You know the reality is progressive sanctification is a part of our whole life journey. When you became a Christian, progressive sanctification began. When you when you came to a point in life where you were totally surrendered to the Lord. Progressive sanctification continued. There is never a point in your life where you are not growing. And we need to be challenging each other to grow in our faith. I think to me one of the saddest things I see is so many people, they want to become a Christian and that's all they want to do and they just want to then sit back and not do anything more. But we don't grow. One of the examples I often use, you know, you've, for those of you who are parents, you know, you had children. And I don't think my wife said, but when your kids were born, you didn't say, there you go, kid, I've had you, you're born, now it's up to you. You know, the bottom line is that was the start of work where you really worked to mould and shape their lives. You know, you, you fed them, you watered them, you changed the nappies, you did all these things, you taught them values. That is equivalent to what progressive sanctification is as a Christian. And I think it is so sad when we find so often for Christians, we get a person who prays a prayer of commitment, we think, wow, good one. But I think we see a lot of stillbirths because we don't help baby Christians grow. And we have, every one of us, I guarantee that we can go back to some meaningful other person in our life who has helped us to grow in our faith and walked with us and journeyed with us. That's why mentoring is important. But we need to continue to grow. 
You know, you talk about your kids. Man, there's a lot of work with those little rascals. Now we've got, we've got one over 50 and, they, and they're still there with you. You know, it's, it's a life journey. We had our youngest one came over for our birthday the other day and look, she could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles. And the good thing about it was the day after I'd preached here and I was tired and I just wanted to go to sleep. And I said to Glenn, the good thing about Christy's going to be here, I'm going to ask a question, then I can go to sleep. She'll just take over the day. Well, it was almost like that. But, but you know, but your, your family, you continue to grow. And my prayer is that every one of you will continue your growth in Christ. Never, never take it for granted. You've got to put the effort in. Well, progressive sanctification begins there again. Then you come to entire sanctification, the term we use, which means is the time where you become fully surrendered. And we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that many of us take Jesus as our saviour at initial sanctification but struggle to get to the point where we really surrender our will to God. Look, don't worry about taking notes because I've got this for you at the end. It's a handout for you, okay? I just want you to listen. This is for you to take because I just think it's so important for my part of my journey. One day glorification is going to come. What's that going to mean? Forever with the Lord. Hey, that's going to be a great day. Well, I say to people, don't plan on going too soon. There's still work to do. You know, God's got stuff for us to do. But one day we're going to enter into his presence and be there forever. The, the thing I want to do, I'm going to take you through these next lot of slides fairly, fairly quickly because they're on your handout here. And I think sometimes it might ask, raise a few questions in your life that you might want to ask me questions about. But there's a, a blank on this. On the other side of that handout is a blank piece of paper with a line across the middle of it. Can we go to that slide with the... Um, there we go, it's there. And you see there... This is that blank piece of paper, and that's what I call the norm line. It's just somewhere, nothing significant. It's just where you kick off your life. Now, I was thinking about my own life, and so I put the asterisk above the line, okay, on the previous slide. I put that's where, that's where I see, because I was born in a Christian home. I go back on my family. I've got Christians on both sides of my family for about five generations. I can go back. And, and you know, I have an amazing heritage that I can grasp. You know, I have been blessed more than you can ever imagine. And if you have had a godly family, you know, you need to thank God from the depth of your heart for what God has given to you. There are other people who are going to be the next slide where the asterisk, you might start in your life, below the line. You know, for somebody who's been raised in an abusive home or there's been alcohol or drugs or, or you name it, you know, that's a pretty tough place to start from. And so I don't know where anywhere on, the, on this map that you're going to draw for me, and I want you to draw this uh, picture and hopefully of your life and bring it. I'd love to see it so we can talk about it with you. And so there's, there's your norm line. And so when we start, and this is where I put a bit of my story in here, as I began to look over my life, it started off pretty well. 
And, uh, and I talk about, I started off there at that norm line, and you know, just the natural part of life. There are ups and downs, my experiences as a kid. I think every one of us in our journey, we, there's good times and there are bad times, there are tough times, there are happy times, there are sad times. I think this is sometimes the norm in our life. But there's a place I came to where I realised that if Jesus came, I was going to hell. You know, I used to always say, you get all these evangelists come to your church. Do you ever have ever had an evangelist come to your church and they put the fear of God into you? You know, I wonder how many times we'd be scared into heaven. Man, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you're going to hell. Don't pass go, don't collect $200, straight down the chute, you're gone. You know, I think sometimes that's the motivation for me to become a Christian. Not the best motive, but I want you in heaven anyway. So if I've got to scare you that way, well, okay, you want to hear about it. And that's why I think sometimes we need to talk about the wonder of Jesus and we need to talk about the beauty of a life lived for Christ and we need to talk about a hell that needs to be shunned. I think sometimes we go so soft on hell that I think there are times, quite frankly, folk, that as Christians, think about it, I almost think we don't believe what the Bible says. I think there's something in it that almost says, I think it's going to work out okay in the end. It's not what the Bible tells. The Bible says there's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. And I think we need to talk about that and we could talk about that a lot more. And so we find that you come to the point where you come to conversion and and on your chart that you've got there, I've got some verses underneath. I'm not going to read those verses, but these are things you can take about. When I became a Christian, I was justified. Oh, I just stood before God just as if I'd never sinned. And I, and I guess I look back over my life and I think, even though I still needed salvation, you know, my life wasn't bad. I had a pretty good upbringing. And yet I still needed Jesus. And I say to every person, the thing you need to realise is God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. And God needs you to be surrendered to him and your kids and my kids. They can't get into heaven on my coattails. They get to heaven when they accept Jesus as their saviour and Lord. And so I was justified. My life was new and that was a great experience. After that, I remember, you know, they, they were good days. Progressive sanctification kicked in here in a big way. You know, I just wanted to be in church and I wanted to be, we were in Bible study groups and we were doing all of these things. I was leading, next slide and come in there. The, the um, you know, love being in church. I was teaching Sunday school and I was leading youth group, doing all of these things. And it was just a great life, busy life. And I was growing because I was feeding on the word. And yet, even as I was growing, there was still that roller coaster experience in my life. I wonder, you know, I think as I talk to Christians, a lot of us can identify in our own life 
that roller coaster experience. We don't want it to be that way, but it's it's there. You know, we really take off and then then we're down in the pits. Then we grow again. Then we drift again. You know, I, I think we need to be thankful for the mountaintop experiences, but recognise, I think, most of our growing is done in the valleys. Oh, it's nice to have that experience or the mountaintop experience. But oh boy, do I grow when I have to work through the tough things. I said to people before on um, one of my properties, we had a, a high hill in one corner of the property and then down, the, then all the water ran off that hill down. We had a big dam and then we had a nice flat country around here. And in all the years of mustering cattle off that mountain, off that paddock, I only ever found the cattle on the mountain once because they spent all the time grazing in the valleys. And I think, folk, there are times as we are going through the tough experiences, that's where we grow. And I think as you look back over your life, you will see how in those tough journeys of your life, God met you in the valley. And this is so often where we are living and what we are doing in our life. And then we come to a point, for many of us, I believe that we've come to this point where we're somewhere down the track, we realise that there has to be more to this Christianity than I think. We can go to the next, next slide, it'll be fine. I think there's a point we come to where we surrender to God. Now, the thing that I want us to hear as I, as I talk about, I'm just talking about the pattern we often find in our lives. The day <clears throat> I gave my heart to Jesus at my conversion, everything that God had for me was available. You know, there was no reason why I should not have been taking Jesus as saviour at my conversion and I could have taken him at that point as my Lord as well. But the issue is, when I became a Christian, I became a Christian not because I loved God so much, I became a Christian because I didn't want to go to hell. I don't know whether you might be a whole lot more spiritual than me, but I think that's where I find a lot of people. We want to know we're going to heaven. And sometimes we begin that journey. We're a Christian, but we are still going through this up and down experience in our life. And I think one of the reasons we do that is because we have taken Jesus as saviour of our life, but we have not yielded to his lordship. We have not come <coughs> to that point of total surrender. And I'm wanting, this is why I'm wanting you to think about your own life and say, what was the journey like from you after you became a Christian 
Can, can you see some of this in your own life? Look, I'll be honest with you, I mentioned a little bit of it last week. For me, that period from my conversion to the point where I surrendered my will to God was probably 15 to 18 years. Before I said, God, you win, I'll do what you want me to do. It wasn't until the end of those 18 years, and for me, it was when God called me into ministry, and we talked about that last week, where I said, okay, God, you win. I remember how did it happen for me, that I was totally involved in my church. I was a lay preacher. I was a Sunday school superintendent. I was, you know, leading the church, and I was totally involved in the church. But the reality is... I was still in control of my life. Oh, as a Christian, I take him as my saviour, but I had not surrendered my will to God. I wanted Jesus or God in the car with me, but I was going to drive. You can be a passenger, God, and I'll show you where we're going. But it wasn't until I came to that point in my life where I said, God, you drive. I'll go where you want me to go. It happened for me in the fact that uh, I'd done some dumb things in the way I was working at the time and uh, I ended up in hospital. And I remember at that time, Glenn rang her parents back in Brisbane and said, Lionel's so low, I don't know where we'll even live the night. And uh, a lot of it was there because of overwork, doing dumb stuff like that. But the thing is, it's amazing how... When God got me to that place, when I was flat on my back in that hospital bed, it was almost as if God said, are you going to listen now? Are you really going to do what I want you to do? You know, God's a loving God. He will tap you on the shoulder or he might get out the hammer. Oh, but don't make him use a sledgehammer. Hurts too much. You know, what I'm saying, when God speaks to your heart and challenges you to be the person he wants you to be, where you come to a place of total surrender of your will to God, will you do it? What will it mean for you? You know, even this week, I was talking to a person and they said, yeah, I really want to be totally surrendered to God, but can I really trust him? You see, when I became a Christian, when you became a Christian, you became a Christian by faith. You, you trusted God for salvation. You couldn't do anything about it. You simply took God at his word and you accepted that you would become a child of God. And God now says to me, well, then when you did that by faith, why didn't you allow God and you live by faith and walk with him by faith? That's the challenge for us, isn't it? And I think for many, many Christians, even today, we became a Christian by faith, but now we want to live by sight. We want to be in control of our life. When God says, I want you to surrender your will to me 
and I want you to become the person I want you to be. As I said, for me, that was the challenge that God brought to me and said, I want you in ministry. And my response was, you're joking. You know, you're not serious. But God doesn't listen. And God says to you, and God says to me, if I call you to whatever, I want you to trust me that I will equip you for the journey. Okay. He won't leave you in a hole. He will go before you. And you know, I found when I came to that point where I said I surrendered God, you win. You know, I ended up at, um, at that point in time down in Brisbane having to see heart specialists and I went to one specialist and he said, I wouldn't dare put you on a treadmill to see what your heart's like because he said, you're not up to it. But he put me on a treadmill and the more I walked, the better my heart came. And I said to him, does that mean I have to live under stress? He said, no, it won't go that way. But once I became surrendered to God, God took over a whole lot of things, even for my health. And he was with me. And I, and I want you to think about that as you do your chart. You see, at conversion, and I'm not going to go into this tonight, but at, con at conversion I said, you received all God had to offer you. You received everything that God had for you and the problem was God did not receive all of me. I was saved but I still want to be in charge of my life. And I don't know where you're at, whether maybe you're there even now as a Christian. You know Christ as your saviour, but when you talk about being surrendered, there is still a dialogue between you and God as to whether you will really trust him with your life. One thing I'll say to you right there that I've found in my life, that even after... Um, We'll go through the next slides. I won't look at the next few slides. We go to the next one. I'll keep going through a bit. These are ones that, no, these aren't all on your notes, but they you know, I want us to, to recognise that even once we get past that point of total surrender to God, keep going through till we get to the next little bit further, once we go through to the point where we surrendered to God, you know, you're still going to have a few up and down experiences in your life. There will still be battles you face. Because, you know, there's, there's something in me, and I know you're all far more spiritual than me, but if God speaks to me, sometimes I simply say to God, can I do it my way this time? Would you ever do that? You know, say, God, just let me have a crack at this one. And then you've got to come back and say, oh, gosh, I'll mess that up again. And I have found in my Christian life, if I get into a dialogue with God over any issue, I have learned I might as well give up now because I'm not going to win. 
So if I'm going to be surrendered to God, I'm going to be surrendered totally to him. But I still like to check him out every now and again just to see. And I think we've all got that within us. And yet our growth continues on. The, the thing is we'll keep going through a little bit further. And so the, the thing is, and this is the journey of your life, I'm getting closer to the glorification side than I like to admit these days. But, you know, there's going to come a time in your life where you're ready to meet with the Lord. And you think, because I'm totally surrendered to God, he's in control anyway. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And one day in my life journey, I'm going to experience the blessing of glorification and enter, enter forever into the very presence of God. One day we're going to be there. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I just want to say to you tonight, and this is an illustration I've used with a lot of people, Take your life today as a house. Take your life as a house. And you've become a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. Christ is my saviour. I invite him into my life. That's my house. But in a sense, I say to the Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. You can come into the foyer and you can come into the lounge. Yeah, you can probably come into the kitchen. But the rest is mine. Jesus says to me, my friend, if I'm coming into your house, I don't want to be house guest. I want to be resident. I want to be the resident in your life and so that every aspect of your house is open to me. What's on my computer? What's on my library shelves? The things I read, the things I think about, the things I talk about, the, the things that may be in my den, the thing might be in my man cave, whatever it is, Jesus says to me, if you are going to be a person who is wholly surrendered to him, you're saying to him tonight, Lord, my life is your house. You come in and you do with your house whatever you wish to do. That's a big ask, isn't it? Because at that point, you've got to take your hands off and say, God, I surrender all. The old hymn that says, I surrender all, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All at his feet, I simply lay. All to Jesus, I surrender. And as you're here tonight, you can think about the fact that, yes, you know you're a Christian. 
or you appreciate the joy of salvation. I wonder what the Lord is saying to you tonight about your surrender of your life to him. Or think about the question in your life. Is Jesus house guest or resident? I've always said the difference between a house guest and a resident. You know when somebody's a resident, they go and help themselves to what's in your fridge. But if I came to your house, I wouldn't even think about going and checking on your fridge. But if I was resident, I would. And I wonder, does the Lord Jesus Christ have access to every piece of your life? Or does he say, yes, I know you want to be surrendered to me, but I want what's in your library surrendered to me. In fact, I even want that little box that's got those things in, hidden in the bottom cupboard, right down in the back of the drawer. I want that too. Because Jesus is saying to you tonight, if you're going to be mine, I want you to give all of you to me. That, my friends, is being surrendered. And that is, why, that is where I want us to be as individuals, as a church. You know, I think there is one of the things, if we go back and look on that chart on your bit of paper that I, that I drew there for you, I think a lot of Christians today are living somewhere between their conversion experience and their sanctification experience. Oh, they thank God for being a saviour, but oh, I struggle with the Lordship of Christ. Folk, I want that to be the challenge for you. And, and you know your heart, whether Jesus is Lord, saviour, or whether he's a saviour. But friends, there's so much more of him still to know. I'm just going to finish by reading what is required of, us, of you and me as a believer. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Totally the Lord's. Folk, that is being fully surrendered. And when you read Romans 12, read those first two verses as the challenge as to where Christ wants you to live tonight and then go through and then read through verses 9 to 21 and this spells out how you need to be living as a Christian. It's a great little chapter, that one. Read those verses as to how God wants you to be living for him.
I don't know what you've done with tonight, but friends, if God has spoken to your heart about being surrendered to him and, and you know you need to go deeper with him, please come talk to me. Because God has got all the riches of his glory available for us and he doesn't want you living as a pauper. He wants you to have his best, his very, very best. And so if you need to have someone pray with you and talk with you, come see me, that we can say, God, let's help this person surrender their will to God. And then, as I said, what I'd love you to do, you know, that's, you've heard my waffle, but what I want you to do is take this chart, that blank there, would you take time to put your life on that bit of paper, something like I've done here, and if you'd like to come and share it with me, I'd love to see it. You know, not tonight, do it any other time you like. But if you would love to chart your life, I found that helpful to me because it made sense. And if that can be something that will help you to grow in your faith, let's do it together. Hope God bless you and we just, by the way, if anybody would like a, a copy of the um, the PowerPoint presentation I have, I'm more than happy to give it to you because it's no use sitting in my filing cabinet. If you can use it, it's yours. Okay.